0: Why haven't you seen why the Gold Rush? Why, the the why, why haven't you,
1: why the haven't you why seen the room?
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of FilmWise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. As always, I am Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights.com. And each episode, I bring on a guest who introduces me to a film that I've never seen before and they're passionate about. And in return, I introduce them to a superhero or a comic book film that they've never seen. And we discuss it. And today, my guest is Amy Taylor, the writer and director of the web series Jess Archer Versus. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. And I'm glad to be talking with you. And. Instead of the, the normal first segment where I ask you some film-related questions, I, I think uh, we will spend a little bit of time getting to know uh, more about Jess Archer. So why don't you go ahead and, uh, and tell us what that web series is.
1: All right. Uh, well, Jess Archer vs. Uh, it's about this teen girl detective, um, sort of a reluctant detective. She doesn't really like people that much. Um, But she does have her faithful best friend, who's more of a people person. You know, it's the very Sherlock Watson dynamic. Um, And in the web series, um, there's one mystery that sort of spans the whole season one. Um, Basically, uh, this star athlete at school is accused of cheating, um, and he begs her to help him because he claims to have been framed. Um, And it's very, I like to describe it as Veronica Mars meets an Edgar Wright film. Um, because it, it does not get as dark as Veronica Mars, <laughs> even though Veronica Mars can be very funny. Um, and this is definitely a comedy. Um, and it's sort of stylistically very Edgar Wright. And I think a lot of the sense of humor um, is very Edgar Wright. So, yeah, check it out and <laughs> put in a plug for it.
0: Yeah, and um, and I'll have a, a link to, the, to your YouTube channel so they can see all the episodes that are up. And right now you have... Um, the uh, the initial um, yes. movie, I guess, or I guess, not exactly a movie, but the original short, Just Versus the X, and then you also have the first episode of the uh, web series right now. Yes. And then the second episode should be out um, when, by the time this episode goes up, I believe, right? Yes,
1: it will, because uh, new episodes are every Monday.
0: Yes. And um, so... How did you end up um, deciding to make a a web series?
1: (laughs) Well... Um, so I had made the short film as my thesis film at film school. Um, and you know, you send them out to festivals and try and see if you get in anywhere. And, um, it was actually accepted at the Dragon Con, um, short film festival that they have. Um, and so when I went to the screening, you know, we screened it and people seemed to like it. And then afterwards, um, you know, some audience members came up and were like, Oh, you know, you should make this into a web series. I was like, Oh, well, random strangers I should take. <laughs> um, but, you know, that percolated in my head uh, for for a while. And then I was like, you know what? That, why shouldn't I do that? That's a, probably a really good format for these characters. Um, and so, yeah, so then I wrote it and we did a Kickstarter um, and then we shot it last summer.
0: All right. And I know that you uh, mentioned that Jess Archer is is kind of a mix between Veronica Mars and Edgar Wright's sense of humor, and I I especially noticed like some of the the pop culture references and like I really appreciate it. I I watched the first episode um, and I believe it was also in in the original um, short film, but the the references to Billy Zane's The Phantom, <laughs> which I actually just watched. Uh, again for just, like, a couple episodes ago (laughs) ago for this podcast.
1: I'm weirdly... I just think Billy Zane has such a great name. (laughs) It was just so, like... It's like the Phantom was going to be his big movie, and I don't know. It just feels like that's a movie that's... You know, if it had been made later, maybe it would have turned out better because, you know, we're sort of in the... I don't know. Like, the technology has caught up to superhero movies. I mean, maybe it would have still not been (laughs) great, but... I don't know. It's just like it was kind of before its time. And I just love the idea of like the 30s sort of pulp hero. Um, So, yeah, so I made one of the characters. He's really obsessed with the Phantom and with that movie. Um, And Jess is just like, ugh, it's not a good movie, dude. The character is weird. She she prefers the shadow, actually, (laughs) um, in terms of 30s sort of pulp (laughs) comic book heroes. Um so one day I'll work into an episode where they just like hash that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. laughs> That's <strikes me. laughs> Yeah, I would say um that I'm a bit more partial to the the shadow as well and and actually I I covered that uh, the uh, Alec Baldwin film
1: <laughs> yes. just
0: a, a couple episodes before that one as well.
1: Also not successful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she doesn't have a good argument in terms of <laughs> which movie is better, but <laughs> I just, yeah, I just think I don't know. That's really funny to me that she would pit the Shadow against the Phantom because um, they're both sort of named after intangible presences. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they are both based on like long-running um, superhero or comic book properties that aren't yeah. aren't entirely superhero-ish. I think yeah, the Phantom yeah. is a little bit more because he's got the more of the superhero costume mm-hmm. where the Phantom or the, the shadow is a bit more like uh, like a detective.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but do you know uh, how many episodes are, are planned in or will, will there be in the first season?
1: Uh, we have 11 episodes. Uh, so for the next 11 weeks, <laughs> you've got your Monday viewing set.
0: and the the first episode runs about five minutes long are they all about that long or do they vary in length
1: they vary in length um i'd say three to four minutes is probably the average and then we have a couple that are longer like the first one um and the last one and sort of in the middle (laughs) there's a longer one but yeah like three to four minutes all
0: right and um do you have any plans on on where you think jess archer will, will go after this uh I guess, will it depend on, on how successful the, the web series is as a whole?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to do another season, um, either as a web series or, you know, I don't know. Everything's changing so quickly in terms of, um, you know, digital content. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I have an idea. I have an outline for a season, two. So if people watch this one, um, you know, maybe someone will give me some money to make another season. <laughs>
0: And so far between the the short and, and the series, what would you say would be like the, the best part of, of this experience so far? Um,
1: I mean, I love working with the actors. Um, and I was so excited to work with them again. Um, at least our three main leads um, worked on the original. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I love shooting and I love, you know, the process of, shooting it and you know writing it is fun too but that's very solitary um and yeah i just i just love working with the actors um
0: all right and uh, is there is there anything else that that you want to say about uh, jess archer versus before we get into the the two films um that we watch for this podcast
1: <laughs> well uh i would just say yeah if you like Veronica Mars, Nancy Drew, any type of detective stuff, um, you know, I you should check it out, because I think you might like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I enjoyed it, and uh, we will also be sharing the, the episodes, um, and along with uh, little reviews over on my sister site, uh, channelsuperhero.com, and uh, the Vern is the one handling that and he's a he's a great guy i know you talked to him before he's the one that that set this up
1: yeah 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 (laughs) um
0: but oh and one last thing that i'm going to spring on you that's something that i ask everybody that i talk to um for this podcast and and for my site but what is your favorite superhero movie
1: Okay. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, uh, I mean, if you, uh, okay. if You had asked me several years ago, I might've said X-Men two, um, because, I, I mean, I really love Wolverine. I loved the 90s um, cartoon X-Men. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I was always really excited that they were going to do it as a movie. And I think X2 is like just a very solid superhero movie. Um, I think it has been replaced slightly, in my affections, uh, with The Avengers. Because um, I think that is... I mean, I feel like Joss Whedon had an almost impossible task to sort of get all these characters... To, <laughs> Together in a coherent story and still give them, um, you know, character moments and make us invested in the story. Um, And I feel like he did just about as good a job as you can do. Plus it has Loki. Yeah, I
0: I completely agree with you. I think that 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 was the first one that really brought together a bunch of uh, superhero properties in one movie. And it's still the one that's done it the best.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> it's going to be like you know, Spider-Man Three had too many villains, and now we have too many superheroes. This is going to be terrible." Um, but you know, I went in with an open mind. I love Joss Whedon, and yeah, I yeah, I watch it over and over again. It's one of the movies I watch, you know, on a regular <laughs> rotation now. So, all right, well, that's
0: uh, that was. Great to hear. Um, I'm I'm always happy when someone shares my favorite superhero movie. But uh, <laughs> now we're going to talk about the film that you had me watch for the first time, <laughs> The Room. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Yes. It's not true. does did not hit her.
1: <laughs> Your future husband. Who's next? i of this world! Perhaps you? Johnny's my best friend. Death lives. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> not to be
0: confused with the recent film, this just Room.
1: No, definitely <laughs> not to be confused with that, because Room, a great movie. <laughs> the Room, possibly the worst movie ever made, Um, but in a way that is awesomely horrible. Uh, um, <laughs> so I don't Yeah. I can give a little background to how I came into it. Um, I actually, <laughs> I used to have like a film viewing night that we would call awesomely horrible movie night. Um, nice. and so, <laughs> we watched the room, obviously, uh, we watched stuff like birdemic. Um, I can't even think of <laughs> what like else.
0: Troll two and Troll 2. Manos hands of fate.
1: Uh, exactly. Uh, um, Zardoz, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's the first time I watched it. And immediately it was just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so ever since then, it, it's just so fascinating to me, like the Tommy Wiseau persona and uh, I like, I don't we'll get into it. Um, but in terms of, I don't know, I, if I want to do a plot summary, uh, um.
0: Which is very difficult because <laughs> the plot kind of goes everywhere, and half of it doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, and characters pop in and pop out for no reason, but at least you know their names because anytime anybody walks into frame, they say "Oh hi" and along with their name.
1: I mean, you want to be clear who's coming into the room. And I'm glad that we got to see everyone's entrance into every room. Uh, yeah, the plots, I mean, like, I could not tell you in order what happens, uh, because it just doesn't make any sense, and nothing really follows except in a very general way. But if you boil it down, <laughs> it's about this guy, Johnny, played by Tommy Wiseau. He's got a girlfriend, um... She falls out of love with him for some reason, has an affair with his best friend. um, Various other nonsense occurs. uh, Repetitive scene, repetitive scene. And then uh, there's a big party at the end where they have sort of a big blowout. um, And you get the very melodramatic death scene um, as Johnny commits suicide because um, he's fed up with this world, I guess. (laughs) And Lisa is tearing him apart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and... And I think there's about three different lines that are iconic to this movie that even if you haven't seen the film, you've seen like the clip of Tommy Wiseau with his arms in front of his face saying, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. (laughs) Or um, let's see, the other one was, uh, you can keep your stupid comments in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like,
1: what? (laughs) What? That always reminds me of, uh, there's a Seinfeld episode. Everything reminds me of Seinfeld. Um, but there's a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, where It I think... reminds
0: me of a Simpsons episode.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> I think that George, I think his fiance says like, you can stuff your saris in a sack, mister. And he's just like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and so that always reminds me, you can put them in your pocket. Like what? Oh, it's, it's insanity. It's just insanity. Um, <laughs> I'm interested, since you had not seen it before, to hear what you thought of it.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's funny because I haven't seen it before, but I was very aware of the entire plot because I actually joined in another podcast called The Lair of the Unwanted, Um, I think for their... Uh, I don't think it was for their 100th maybe it was for their 100th episode what they did was they did a uh, basically a script reading of the room <laughs>
1: gosh
0: and I played the voice of Denny
1: oh oh hi denny <laughs> yes.
0: so I I did um basically know the the basic plot mm-hmm. uh, based on the dialogue and audio description of uh of what was happening on screen. And, and I watched a few clips on YouTube just so I'd kind of know what yeah. was going on and just to hear how Denny sounds in the the <laughs> movie so I can copy him a little bit. But seeing it is completely different.
1: <laughs> yes, I can imagine.
0: And it is just so bizarre because there, there's so many pacing issues and shot compositions where it looks... There's so many scenes where it looks like he's trying to go for an extremely artful, like, cinematography. Uh-huh. But there's just <laughs> something off about it to where it ends up looking like a low-budget music video or a badly-made softcore porn video.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the sex scenes... Huh... <laughs> Well, they're they're so long, <laughs> for one thing. But it's, yeah, it's like he's shot it, you know, like these artful shots, artful in quotation marks, I guess, you know, through the gauzy curtains of the bed and then like through this fountain.
0: And the camera is always moving yeah. slightly. Yeah,
1: and, and then it's set to this like, <laughs> I don't know, like 90s boy band music? I don't even know. And it's, yeah, it's like this is... This is from the 1980s. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and we get some female nudity, but it seems like it's mostly focused on Tommy Wiseau's back.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I just feel bad for everyone in that scene who's filming the scene and then for us watching the scene.
0: (laughs) And it it doesn't really add anything to what's going on.
1: No, no. (laughs) it's just I mean I was watching it again I was surprised at how quickly the first sex scene comes because it's like I don't know it starts out with all these shots of San Francisco I guess like b-roll of San Francisco Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah and there's there's an establishing shot of San Francisco like almost literally every single scene change
1: yes (laughs) And,
0: and yet you don't get any sense of a passage of time like What's even worse is getting closer to the end, you have the, the party scene, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the party scene, they cut to an establishing shot of San Francisco, <laughs> which you get the, which you usually would do that if there's some, like, the, to show the passage of time. Right. But it's, like, literally minutes later.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I was also surprised again when I watched it. I was like, oh, another establishment. Oh, another one. Another one. Okay. (laughs) Another one. Um, But yeah, so it has all these establishing shots at the beginning. And then, like, there's this score that doesn't go with the movie at all. It's like this, I don't know. I was like, is this sort of like a fairy tale? I don't know. Like, it makes it sound like it's going to be this fairy tale sort of. I don't even know what it's going to be, but it doesn't go <laughs> with it. And then it's like uh, one scene and then it almost immediately into this sex scene after he gives her this dress, which again, ugh, I mean, I have comments about the dress. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be such a beautiful red dress, but it's like, well, I mean, it's okay. It looks like you bought it at
0: every time really? I don't
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. But yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then they introduce everyone, but you never really get a sense of their relationship. Like, the the relationship comes in later. hmm Like, Denny walks in, and you have no idea what <laughs> Denny is supposed to be.
1: I mean, I, I'm still not sure what Denny's supposed to be. I know he's, like, his parents are gone, and, like, Johnny is taking care of him, but he, that's weird. Like, what? Why are you taking care of this kid and then he's just wandering into your house all the time and it sounds like he kind of likes watching you and your girlfriend <laughs> have sex i don't know it's really weird that whole relationship subplot and then the, and then the subplot where denny is you know got a drug problem or something <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's like they have this entire scene dedicated to Denny's drug problem, but it's never brought up before or afterwards.
1: No, no. I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. Chris R., the drug dealer, I guess they paid him off and he went away or something. I don't know. Chris R., the best actor in the whole thing, I say. <laughs> um, I want to know more about that character.
0: Yeah, even though. It seemed like they took him, (laughs) they were saying that they were going to take him to jail.
1: Right. It's like, okay, sure, that sounds great. Uh...
0: Yeah, I don't think that's entirely how that works. (laughs) Right. And also, they they were only gone for like five minutes, like two minutes, unless they live across the street from the jail. (laughs) And they know the cops, so they don't have to give any... Testimony. They can just say, "Here, I found a drug dealer." Right.
1: They're like, "No, no, no. Here, just take him."
0: they he- like, "Oh, hi, Johnny."
1: <laughs> right. Ha 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 Like you're our favorite citizen.
0: <laughs> yes, and the dialogue. <laughs> it's just, and I, I don't think this would be as much of a cult film if it wasn't for Tommy Weisso himself.
1: No, I don't think so either. I mean, his performance is inexplicable. <laughs> <laughs> like His line readings and just, you know, him himself, like he's so like, if you told me he was an Eastern European vampire, I would believe you because he just seems like it. I mean, <laughs> and then the idea that Johnny works at this bank and like is a very well respected, you know, banker. I'm like, no no one's hiring this guy to work in a bank. He is off-putting <laughs> and weird. <laughs> so, yeah. And then sort of like the mythology behind like Tommy Wiseau, like no one really knows anything about him. And just like the the fact that he wrote, directed, and then also starred in this project. I mean, yeah. Without, without Tommy Wiseau, I think it would it would definitely not have made <laughs> the mark that it did.
0: Yeah and and I love the the fan theory out there that I, I don't remember the the full details off the top of my head but they mentioned that he looks remarkably similar to this like uh this notorious bank robber who like <laughs> stole millions of dollars and disappeared and has never been captured <laughs> and a- it was like from 20 years ago or something like that <laughs> And that, that would explain a lot of things.
1: That explains so much. I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just the way that he talks. I mean, he, he has the accent, which, I mean, you can look past that, but mm-hmm. just he doesn't seem to understand the concept of the story or how speaking works.
1: Right no he the the emphasis that he puts on different things and the fact that he delivers almost every line with his eyes basically closed it's just like what are you doing
0: yeah and and there's almost zero emotion unless he's screaming and then it's like he, he raises his voice for one line and then he's back to normal
1: well that Yeah, so there's this moment when he's, so Lisa tells, I don't know, she she tells her mother and I guess a couple of, it seems like it's gotten out around that Johnny hit her. (laughs) And so he comes up to the roof and he comes out and he's like muttering about, I didn't hit her. How could you say? Oh, hi, Mark.
0: I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark.
1: Yeah, it's like, what is this emotional swing that you've just taken? I am not with you on that. Let's get back to the whole, like, she's telling people that you hit her.
0: Yeah, and just all, just the characters and just the sense of how everyone was connected. Because I think at one point they mentioned that, well, we know that Denny supposedly lives in the same building. And I think Mark, at one point, they mentioned that he also lives in the same building. Yes and then you also have this other couple who are just appear to be for comic relief it's like they they're introduced in the movie they just walk in through the door and start making out right and then probably one of the other most famous shots from this film is like they start eating candy <laughs> Uh, like he puts the 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 piece of candy in her mouth, and then they go for a kiss, and like they each eat half of the chocolate.
1: So I, I was just like, oh god! <laughs> so I have a stomach ache already. It's
0: and like... <laughs> and then she starts to go down on him, like off camera, uh-huh. and the camera stays on his face, <laughs> his and he just has the most bizarre, goofy reaction.
1: It's just like, I don't know if he was directed to do that or, but it just feels like that scene, especially it's like, it feels like Tommy Uzo has no actual experience with any of this. And he's like, yes, yes. When people are having sexy times, they often have chocolate. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> he like, here, have this chocolate and then just stuff as many pieces as possible into your mouth. That's very sexy. <laughs> and it's just like, what is happening right now?
0: And and it's not until later that they... I guess that's whenever Lisa and her mother come in. (laughs) And that's when we find out who they actually are.
1: Right. I mean, sort of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we find out their names and that they're friends.
1: Right. Although it's weird because it's like... I kind of thought... They're in high school, right? Because they're going to study, but... I don't know, he he has the textbook he comes back for, but then it's like, why are you friends? Like, how old is Lisa... I still don't
0: understand. (laughs) Yeah, and they've been dating. Lisa and Johnny have been dating for seven years. Right. (laughs) Even though Johnny, I guess he looks in his late 30s, early 40s, maybe.
1: (laughs) At least, yeah.
0: And everybody else that Lisa knows is still in high school.
1: Right. (laughs) At
0: least according to what they tell us.
1: There's just so many, it's, yeah, so many weird relationships, and then you don't really understand any of them, and it's like Johnny's friends are also, like, Mark seems very young as well. Mark, (laughs) Mark as a character doesn't seem too bright, uh, because he always seems to be very surprised at anything that's happening to him, even (laughs) if it's having sex with Lisa. Like, oh, why did you make me do this? How did I get into this? Oh my gosh, we're having sex now. And it's like, oh yeah. Mark, oh, Mark. <laughs> so it's like, yeah where did where did Johnny make friends with Mark, and then the other random friend Peter, who shows up
0: and then disappears,
1: yeah, and then disappears,
0: because obviously, and i I think I would be able to tell this even if I didn't hear about it already, but <laughs> I guess they shot this over a long span of time, and that's why that's why Mark shaves his beard and they have a scene with them (laughs) reacting to him shaving his beard. And that's why Peter disappears and Mark shows up out of nowhere.
1: (laughs) Right. It's how, yeah. It's
0: because I believe that Mark was supposed to be Peter, but they couldn't get the actor anymore.
1: Oh, (laughs) I mean, that sounds about right.
0: (laughs) And there's just, there's so much exposition in this film that doesn't have any impact into the the actual heart of the story
1: yeah well i mean lisa has a conversation with her mother what feels like 20 times about how she's not in love with johnny anymore but then like the next scene it's like oh maybe she's trying now you know because her mother gives her this advice oh you should stay with johnny he's so good for you which (laughs) the mother is one of my favorite characters (laughs) because she just gives such terrible advice Uh, like, just chipping away at the self-esteem of her daughter. Like, you can't survive without Johnny. He gives you everything. <laughs> like, thanks, Mom. Uh,
0: yeah, you think I loved your father whenever I married him?
1: Right. Like, oh I just
0: God. married him for his money.
1: This is horrible.
0: <laughs> and I have cancer. Right. And I'm going to die. I have well, I'll see you next time. <laughs> Kiss and put my weird finger on your nose.
1: Nose <laughs> boop. It's so, yeah, it's like, that's supposed to be an endearing mother-daughter thing, but then she's so, like, her advice is so horrible, and then, yeah, that I have cancer, and no reaction from the daughter, just like, oh, well, Whatever. And then then the next time or one of the next times um, they're talking, the mother says, oh, you know, I'm not not feeling good or I'm so tired today or something. And Lisa responds with, oh, you know, whatever, you're fine. No mention of the cancer. (laughs) I was like, you're probably tired because you're getting chemotherapy treatment. Yes. Is that uh, that would make sense? But no, never mentioned again. So I don't. I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> as most things in the movie, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't yeah. you know. <laughs> and,
0: and there's the the moment with like we talked about the the scene with Chris R as the drug dealer and yeah. Denny's involvement in drugs, and then like two scene two or three scenes later, we have uh, Mark sitting on the roof smoking a joint, right, talking <laughs> with Peter. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, threatens to throw Peter off the roof. And then two minutes later, it's like, we cool? Yeah, we're cool.
1: We're fine. Like, another moment of just emotional whiplash. Like, I am going to murder you. I am going to throw you off this building. And then, uh, oh, I don't know what came over me. Uh, We're fine.
0: Yeah, and then there's also, like, the, the flower scene, which is another one of those scenes where... It just it doesn't make any sense that it's included in in the film at all.
1: yes, I mean, is that that's the one where you hear the uh the flower seller is like, "You're my favorite customer
0: Yeah, it's like that the scene it's like they have to get through the dialogue as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's like, I'll take these flowers, okay, the weather's nice. Yeah. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Okay, Bye.
1: bye. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's so, like, I feel like it's just put in there. Because, I mean, constantly throughout the film, people are saying, oh, Johnny's such a good guy. You know, Johnny's wonderful. He takes care of you. He takes care of Denny. And then, in case we didn't get it, that Johnny is a great guy, Uh, we have this scene where even the flower uh, seller is like, you're my favorite customer because he's so wonderful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I I mean, we haven't spent too much time talking about Lisa as a character, but she... (laughs) is such an awful character, like, through and through, just the way she's written, how she's acts. It's obvious that she was written by a man.
1: Right, right. Well, it feels very much like, I mean, I don't know. If if it were another filmmaker, you could perhaps posit that they had been going through, that he had just gone through a horrible breakup, and he's just, like, writing this, getting his feelings out. Maybe that happened to Tommy Wiseau. I mean, it's so hard to say with him because he's so odd. But yeah, it feels like I went through this horrible breakup. All women are terrible. So I'm going to write this movie about this super nice guy, like just the nicest guy. He takes care of everyone. You're my favorite customer. And then this <laughs> horrible woman who just destroys him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, she's right. like this. I mean, she, the way she comes off and I believe that's the way she's supposed to come off is she's yeah. like this incredibly just evil manipulator. Mm hmm because she really is almost the mastermind of getting Johnny that might not have I'm sure that wasn't her intention but like she it comes down as she basically gets Johnny to kill himself. Right. <laughs> just it, by just because she's bored.
1: Right. It's like we never get any real explanation. I mean I never really believe the relationship in the first place but then there's no explanation of like well why has she suddenly fallen out of love with him and why would she think that the best way to move forward with that is to have an affair with his best friend it's like you're just doing that to be to hurt him the most that you possibly could
0: yeah and also to string him along at the same time right. and and tell him that she's pregnant
1: right <laughs> like what <laughs> As if, we, And then, of course, if we don't get it, it's like so many people tell her, oh, you're so manipulative. And, you know, you should tell Johnny. When are you going to tell Johnny? <laughs> like, yes, we, we got it. Script. <laughs> She's yeah. horrible. And Johnny is a saint, really. He's taking care of these orphaned children. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just, yeah, it's very much like... Yeah, this this guy went through a bad breakup and now he's taking out his f- f- feelings on this yeah, fictional
0: woman, and and she keeps like pushing it further and further as as the movie goes on to where like first it's just like a a one time fling with Mark, and then like she keeps pushing it like she and I love the fact where during the party she's like okay everybody let's go outside and they're like oh yeah that's a great idea and they all just go outside at once <laughs> just randomly and she stays back with mark and then obviously gets caught
1: right and then mark is so like confused about what's going on even as she's like all over him He's like oh i thought this was you know finished or whatever and <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, she, she's a bad manipulator too Because it's like, yeah, I said let's go outside, everyone And then I stayed back here with you, isn't that clever? And it's like, no, that's possibly <laughs> the least sneaky thing you could do oh, oh, Yeah, least. and
0: then just a few minutes later They're, they're all back outside And she's like, right. let's all go inside and have cake <laughs> And then everybody goes back inside <laughs>
1: Such a well-ordered party <laughs> Ah, to the drawing room for cake now Oh, my gosh. And then the random guy. Random
0: acts of football.
1: Random acts of football, yes. (laughs) I mean, that's amazing. That's just... (laughs) And they play it like no one ever plays real football. Because they're like, oh, here you go, Denny. Oh, like (laughs) calling out to each other. Oh, good toss. And it's like, no. No, I've never seen anyone play football like that. Yeah, and... (laughs) Playing with a small child, maybe.
0: And that's another one of those things where, in theory, it, it sounds like it would be a good idea, because it it adds movement on the screen. It gives the, the characters something to do. Mm-hmm. If it didn't make any sense that nobody ever does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's like they don't even talk about any of what's going on, so it's not... Like adding interest to a scene where maybe you know they're also having a discussion about the relationship or something. It's just like, oh, we're gonna play football for a couple minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it just grinds the the narrative to a complete halt so they can play, <laughs> so they can play catch for a few minutes.
1: Right.
0: And then I also noticed that there's like several points during those catch moments where it's like framed very badly. Like you can only see two out of three characters.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and then poor Peter you know, trips and falls and I was like, Oh well, we're done. <laughs> yeah. okay, well and then I don't I don't understand why they're dressed in tuxedos. Because when I first saw it I was like, Oh, they must be like, is this before the wedding? Like we're we've hopped ahead to they're getting married now. But mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. <laughs>
0: And, yeah, it's it almost seems like it was supposed to be for a rehearsal, but we never actually go to the rehearsal.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is.
0: And and yeah, the and the concept, like the concept of time, <laughs> makes no sense. No, <laughs> because it there's certain times where you feel like no, well, during all of this, you feel like no time has passed, but <laughs> the way that they talk to each other, it feels like. Some time has passed. At a certain point, okay. like um, I think several times, they mention that they're going to get married in a month. Right. But then they then they insinuate that like a couple weeks have passed, but they're still going to get married in a month.
1: <laughs> right. It's yeah. There's no timeline. I think that you could <laughs> glean from this film. It's just you know whenever.
0: <laughs> yeah, but at, at the same time, it's it's one of those like train like, train wreck films that you just can't look away from.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought when I was watching this time, I was thinking a lot about like what makes a bad movie so bad that it's good. Um, and you know, I was sort of thinking about this in relation to something like the Sharknado movies, which you know they're supposed to be so bad that they're good, and you know they're entertaining. Uh, (laughs) I won't say that I haven't been entertained by them, but I don't know. This just feels like it's so bad and it's so bad in an earnest way because he was genuinely like trying to make this great work of art in his movie. And it's just so completely off the mark, but there's that earnestness that kind of elevates it to you know, you can't even believe. Like it's so bad that it is finally good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think the the main difference is like the way that it's bad is not something that you could specifically recreate because it is just something that only that only Tommy Wiseau could create.
1: Yeah yes exactly
0: because in a lot of ways like in in a bad film you can often see like you can often predict well it's going to happen this way because that's the most ridiculous because that's uh, the thing that happens in bad movies mm-hmm. but this goes completely the other direction
1: yeah you could never write this <laughs> you could never uh, yeah It's just, it's such a singular, it's a singular vision from auteur Tommy Wiseau. And it's, yeah, yeah, I agree. Totally.
0: But it it was like a lot of fun to watch and and I did enjoy it. I'm glad that I finally did, that I was able to actually watch the film in its entirety. Because it, it has to be seen to be believed.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, you can't. If you described it to someone, they would be like, "Yeah, okay. Well, what? I, yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, it's fine." But then when you watch it, you're like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is amazing."
0: Yeah, and um, and actually, in something that doesn't happen very often, uh, we're going to take a quick break and talk about the better film, uh, <laughs> which is the 1972 Tales from the Crypt film. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Hello, and I'm Nick. And I'm Joe. And I'm Vern. Together we host the As You Watch podcast. And drink beer. Vern! (laughs) We're a movie podcast, not a beer one.
1: I know. I just enjoy having one when I'm
0: talking with friends. And that's what the show feels like. Hanging out with your friends and talking about movies. So check us out on iTunes or on our website at asyouwatch.wordpress.com. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together, we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet, an email, or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love, movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this mind here. Shut up, shut up, shut here. up, shut up. Shut and up shut
1: I wonder shut who up. the God can damn watch. it, shut I think up. That's, I think that's enough.
0: Tales from the Crypt was originally released back in 1972 Uh, from Amicus Productions, which is very similar in style to the Hammer Horror Films, uh, especially since it was another British film studio and is about the same time, and it used a lot of the same actors, uh, like Peter Cushing and and the like. Uh, And this was an anthology film that was adapted from several various EC comic stories, uh, even though only two came from the actual Tales from the Crypt series. And there was also a couple um, stories that were later remade in the more popular HBO series in the 90s. And, um, but watching this for the, the first time, uh, let me ask you, what, what was your background with Tales from the Crypt uh, before watching this? Had you watched the HBO series or had seen any of the comics or anything?
1: Um, I had watched the series, um, and I really liked it as a kid. Um, I I don't remember it being on HBO, but th- was it on Fox, possibly?
0: Yeah, that's that's okay. how I watched it's it. They, they it would it show it, like, late-night Saturdays on Fox.
1: Yeah, that's how I watched it. Um, but, yeah, I, I always loved that show. So, yeah, so when I <laughs> saw this was an option to watch, I was like, oh, yeah, I should check this out. Um, and... I liked it quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they followed this up uh, the next year with uh, a very similar film called The Vault of Horror, which is is also another um, EC Comics title like Tales from the Crypt. But I was not. I, I don't think Vault of Horror is nearly as good. I think Tales from the Crypt. It has a lot of shorts that that still hold up pretty well.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And, um, I think this had, like, five shorts in it. Um, but, uh, I guess let's just go in order for a little bit. But uh, the the first one, which was also remade as the first episode of the series, was, uh, and probably with the most well-known, the, uh, and all through the house. the uh, yes. The Christmas one.
1: I like, this was one of my favorites, um and it was, it was interesting watching to sort of chart my emotional investment in the outcome. Um, because you know, tales from the crypt, it's very, they're like morality tales. So you always know that the bad guy is going to get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I sort of liked these more or less based on how much I was rooting for the bad guy <laughs> to get their comeuppance. <laughs> um, although not as much in this one actually, because I mean, I know, so Joan Collins, you know, kills her husband, but, you know, I don't know what their relationship was like. Maybe he was a bad dude. Uh, But I just thought it was, like, a really nice, like, tense, short little slasher. I mean, I guess he strangles her, so it's not really a slasher, but (laughs) that sort of vibe. Um, And, you know, I like that she was... You know, she's got this homicidal maniac outside, but she's sort of coolly cleaning up this murder in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it seemed like she really cared about her kid. Um, so I just thought it was sort of a great little mini horror movie.
0: Yeah, and and I think the tension is played up pretty well. And I had watched the, I guess it's been about, it was like the October before last, whenever I rewatched the the TV episode mm-hmm. uh, version which I, I think I, between the two, I actually do enjoy this film version better than the TV episode version. Um, I, I just think that it's paced better. I, I think it works better as actually a shorter segment, because I think this one is only, what, like 10 to 15 minutes, yeah. where the TV episode would be like 25 minutes or so. yeah. And uh, I, I like the way that Joan Collins played it. And, and I think there's some really n- interesting visual shots. Like there's a scene with her on the phone because she's about to call the police. Mm-hmm. And she's ducked um, at the bottom of a window. And you see the, the Santa Claus on the other side of the window.
1: Yeah, that was great. This one actually gave me the only sort of like <laughs> leaping out of my seat moment. Um when he's, I guess he's at the window or something, and right. he reaches his hands through and tries to grab her. Oh, yeah.
0: It's oh, uh, whenever she's going around locking all the windows and the doors and she goes to the back door. Yeah. And he's on the other side of the gate. Yeah. And he reaches his arms through the gate. And and I had forgotten about that. And that actually did give me a little <laughs> bit of a jump, too, because I had forgotten that that was coming. Yeah, it's just so like,
1: oh, my God. And it's like that. <laughs> it's one of my weirdest fears is that you're, you know, like in your house and all it's dark. And all of a sudden you look outside and there's just a face at the window like that <laughs> is horrifying to me. So, yeah, I liked I liked this one a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. And um. And then the next one uh, is called The Reflection, Reflection of Death. And I, I thought that one was interesting, just the way that they shot it. Because most of it is shot in like a first-person point of view. Because yes. this, this guy is, I guess, going off to live with his mistress, mm-hmm. uh, leave his family for his mistress. And then they have a car accident after he wakes up from a bad dream. Mm-hmm. And then it's like two years later. Yeah, and he's dead, but he doesn't know that he's dead.
1: Right? No, I thought that was great. I yeah, I agree. I was most compelled by like the POV shots, and then the, the way they shot the car crash just had some really weird close-ups in it that mm-hmm. I thought were pretty cool.
0: Um, yeah, it, it it has a very low budget feel to it,
1: mm-hmm. and and a
0: very like seventies feel to it. I think too, because you get like the spinning camera and like the close-up yeah. of faces.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the one thing you know. It does feel like the whole thing feels very '70s British, and you know the sort of mannered acting, like "Oh, you know, I love you, right, Allison?" (laughs) That sort of you know, which you know, it feels dated, but I I think it's fun. So
0: (laughs) yeah, and then it has a, a nice little twist where, like, at the whenever he realizes that he's dead, and you get the the very quick scene of him in the dead makeup where he sees his reflection yeah. and then he wakes up at the beginning of the short again in the car, mm-hmm. but yeah. he still, but the still the same thing happens and they still go through the car crash.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. I liked that. Um, and I liked um, I mean the the reveal of the face in the mirror, you know, because you see everyone's reactions to this guy, but you're in his position, so you're kind of like, oh, what's so horrible about, you know, this guy? I'm with him, and then it's like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then I think the the next one is probably my favorite. It's the poetic justice. It has <laughs> uh, Peter Cushing playing the the old uh, rubbish collector.
1: Yes. This, uh, yeah, this was actually my favorite as well. Uh, Just because, I mean, I felt so bad for Peter Cushing. Uh, Arthur Arthur Grimsdyke, what a great name. Uh, And, like, his neighbor is such a bastard. Mm -hmm. I was just, yeah, like, this one I had a very emotional reaction to, just feeling so bad for this guy. You know, he just wants to have his dogs and make toys for kids and... I mean this this guy who lives in the neighborhood is, oh, so mean, so mean, <laughs>
0: yeah, and there's just so much going on, like that you can read into it with just the upper class and and how just because uh, Grimsdyke is a rubbish collector, they assume that his house is like filled with rubbish, right. and that he's a dirty slob, yeah, and they convince the other like socialites in the neighborhood basically the exact same thing yeah just without anybody other than the kids like the kids are the only one that really know the truth but everyone else is just like the this upper class socialites and and they just take this other upper class socialites word for everything
1: yeah it's so it's so awful and i was thinking a lot about well, I was relating it to sort of now. I feel like it's the most relatable to now with, like, getting trashed on Twitter or being bullied over the Internet. Like, that's mm-hmm. essentially what he did to this guy, is ruined his entire life through these rumors. Um, you know, and then the poor guy commits suicide. <laughs> I was so sad. And then I was so rooting for him when he came back. And that note that he leaves is great.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think out of all of them, it, it has the the best combination of like feeling for the person that's wronged and rooting for the the bad guy to get his comeuppance. Yeah, for sure. Just because it is so awful what he does, and then I would say the weakest one of them all is is the next one, the Wishy wore here, the, which is basically the mon- monkey's paw, and, and the short even like calls out its its own homage. It's like, did you right. know that this story is just like the monkey's paw? Right. I
1: was like, oh, Yep. Uh, <laughs> I did know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this one was... I just had the most logical questions about this one. Um, and it didn't feel like... like It didn't feel like anyone was getting their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this poor woman, she just wanted her husband to not be dead. and And then I don't even know why he's dead. Because isn't sort of the twist like he can't die because she wished that he would be alive forever and so now he's just alive forever but suffering because he's already been embalmed and like they've cut off little pieces of him so i don't know what he's doing in the crypt anyway <laughs> 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 i had some questions about that um, yeah so that yeah i would agree that that was that was probably the weakest one for me too
0: yeah and and we also don't get a whole lot of a sense of him being like a bad person like We just, the opening scene has him talking about basically being in financial ruin, and he talks a little bit about how he basically got there by stepping on the necks of others. Right. But that's, I mean, him just saying that doesn't really form much of a connection.
1: No. I mean, it's not, it's so intellectual. It's like, well, what does that mean? Whose life did he ruin? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what old man did he drive to suicide? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, and then, you know, the relationship between him and his wife seemed very sweet. And I don't And it was very obvious that her wishes were not phrased. You know, as soon as she said them, you were like, oh, boy, <laughs> I can see how that's going to go wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, it, not as not as good. <laughs>
0: And then the last one is also one that I enjoyed quite a bit. It's Blind Alleys, uh, <laughs> about the uh, this uh, major who becomes the new caretaker for this home of the blind, and he basically treats them like crap while he lives in luxury.
1: Yeah. Um, this one, I mean, this one I thought was very well done, and I but I did have some problems with it. And again, it's sort of that, it does the comeuppance, like... Is it at the same register as the offense? And he's, you know, he seemed like, you know, blowhard, like not very good at his job, sort of corrupt. You know, he's not really taking care of these people. But then, like all the blind guys, suddenly turned into like jigsaw serial <laughs> <steel> killer people. <laughs> you know, like with this elaborate trap that you know they're gonna get his own dog to eat him, and like these razors in the little alleyway. I was just like, whoa, you guys. It's <laughs> too much. Uh, but uh, as soon as I saw um, that actor who plays the main blind guy, um, who's from A Clockwork Orange, it's uh, <laughs> kind of like when you're watching Law and & Order and you spot the guest star, and you're like, oh, he's going to be crazy. Uh, <laughs> when I spotted him, because he plays um, the writer in A Clockwork Orange um who uh, basically tortures Alex at the end um, to get revenge on him. And he has such a weird presence in that movie. And here, again, it's like this weird, intense presence that that actor has that you're just like, oh boy, he is going to (laughs) do something that is going to be real bad for someone. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I just thought the, you know, the punishment didn't quite fit the crime on that one for me.
0: Yeah, but I... I did and I did enjoy all of the performances as well. I, I thought that, that that guy did do a, a great job at just just playing the the basically the voice of the blind.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah.
0: And just how he has and and all the other blind men have this disheveled look that I think adds to your sympathy towards them because it, it's like they're it almost feels like they're in a mental institution, but they're blind.
1: Yeah, yeah, it did feel that way. I mean, it feels like there's no one out to look, to look out for them. Um, and they're sort of forgotten by society and shut away in this place. And, you know, if they don't look out for their own interests, you know, nobody is. So it's like this, you know, they have to take matters into their own hands. I just <laughs> wish they had maybe not quite been so... Uh, diabolical (laughs) in their little trap and i mean i felt bad for the dog (laughs) like he didn't do anything
0: (laughs) yeah but uh i did like it because it i think it felt almost the most tales from the crypt to me Mm -hmm. just how it's this macabre just desserts. At yeah. the end, where where it is this bizarre like razor hallway, and then they shut off the lights, and it's it's just one of those situations that would never happen in real life.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Where you have this this guy, this this group of blind people that build this corridor, <laughs> right, of which leads the the major down this narrow razor blade lined hallway. And then whenever he gets through it, the first time they open up the the door to his dog that's been starved for two days. Right. And then they turn off the lights.
1: They turn off the lights and the rest is up to your imagination. (laughs) Yeah, and and
0: I do love just the way that they do that, that, the short ends when the lights go out.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. It's very, like, it's very tense and, like, it's building up to this moment. And you sort of know, you know what's coming, but it's like, you don't, I feel like you don't, you know that the dog, like they're going to try and there's enough hits that <laughs> they're going to try and get the dog to attack him. Um, but then, you know, he turns that corner and these razor blades, it's like, oh boy, it is worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's great. I mean, I like, I like the mechanics of it. I, yeah, I just wish that he had, if they had made that character just like one tick worse in his behavior, um, so that I really was rooting for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and this was another one that they remade on the TV show, and I actually hadn't seen this one. I think since I'd watched it whenever it was showing on Fox, that I did rewatch it again, like right before we talked. And it's it's an interesting variation on it. It's like um, it's a lot more like the Home for the Blind is a lot smaller. It's in this like more of a mansion mm-hmm. than, than like a hospital style setting. And, um, the, the main actress is Terry Polo, who was, um, in the meet the parents movies. Yeah. And she's like the new blind person that's, uh, that's taken care of in the house. And then one of the other members is Isaac Hayes. And Oops. the, the caretaker goes even further. Like the, in like the first scene, Isaac Hayes is like, "Oh, he bricked up the bathroom again." Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then yeah. he, and then the caretaker like tosses a bunch of marbles, and he's like, "Strike!" I love this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, if they ratcheted up the caretaker to sort of that level, I think I would have been one hundred percent behind it. <laughs> That's it. I'll have to go back and watch that one because I don't. I mean, there's only a couple episodes that I really remember. Um, from the TV show. Um, there's a one with Joe Pesci, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: plays... Split
0: personality.
1: Yes. And he marries the twins and tries to pretend that he's twins, but they find out that he's just one guy married to the two of them, and then they... Well, I don't know. <laughs> I should tell people. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a 20-year-old TV show. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the one I remember the most. Um, so yeah, I, I, it would be fun to go back and watch that show, I think.
0: Yeah, it it is. A lot of them. Well, some of them don't hold up, but there's still there are still a lot of great episodes. I think most of them show up in. I think the second and third seasons were the best. Okay. Like I know Ventriloquist Dummy is one of the better ones. It has Don Rickles and uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yeah. Um. And there's there's a few uh, there's a there's a bunch of great ones, and it's it's also fun just to see. Actors who have become big, yeah, and a lot of times this was before they were big.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I remember you and McGregor was on one, um, and like this was way before anyone knew who he was. Yeah, it's great. It's like spot the star.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the the one thing that we didn't talk about, which is isn't really a big part of the film, but there's the whole wraparound story where all these people have uh, are taking a tour of the catacombs. And then they get separated, and they have, like, not really the Crypt Keeper.
1: Right.
0: But the the old guy in, in the brown robes who basically tells everybody to, re- or gets everybody to remember why they were there in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think it's funny, I think the last time I watched this, I like to imagine that what happens in terms of everybody else, because of the, the way that it's set up is... That whenever he's getting them to remember, it's them just staring off into space for 10 minutes while everybody's just standing around in silence.
1: Right. (laughs) They're just like, so, (laughs) uh, what's going on? (laughs) It's great. And then I wonder, like, the other people, you know, that they got separated from, like, are they, maybe they're also dead, but they're going to heaven instead? Or if they're just like... Random people who are like alive people visiting the catacombs.
0: Yeah, it it doesn't really. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter one way or the other. But that's
1: no, it's I kind of
0: interesting to think about. Think
1: about it. Yeah, <laughs> like what is the mythology of this entails <laughs> from the crypt world?
0: <laughs> um, but uh, overall, like, what did what did you think about it? Have are you a, a fan of like this era of horror movies or? Like of anthology horror movies in general
1: um I do like anthology horror movies um I haven't watched a ton of movies from this era um but uh, you know i do like i do like anthology horror and I like the sort of tales from the crypt model of you know bad people get what's coming to them because it's it's very like even though horrible things are happening and it's very bloody or, you know, macabre. It's like, well, I still feel okay because like, I understand why this is happening because this person deserves it because they're awful. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like random, you know, it's not nihilistic Violence of you know, which is fine sometimes. I mean, I watch The Walking Dead. You know, <laughs> get killed off for no reason because that's just a brutal world. But you know, I I like this Tales from the Crypt idea, and I like um I was actually thinking of uh it's an anthology film Trick or Treat, um which I liked quite a bit, um which is uh, much more recent like mm, two thousand Hmm, I don't know, 2000 something, Uh, but it's a great little anthology of horror that's also, um, you know, it seems like the right people are getting their just desserts in that one as well.
0: Um, Yeah, I've I've heard a lot about uh, a lot about that one. I think it's one of those where it kind of came and went, but then it started picking up steam a few years later once people started discovering it.
1: Yeah, no, it's great, it's a lot of fun to watch um, I recommend it if, you know, if you're interested in stuff uh,
0: Similar to Tales from the Crypt Yeah, that's, um, I'm glad that, that you did enjoy Tales from the Crypt Like I said, this <laughs> this is a lot better than the Vault of Fear That they did the year <laughs> afterwards Which yes. I, I think that one, the only saving grace is Like if you're a Doctor, Fu, Doctor Who fan uh, It has Tom Baker in one of the segments
1: Oh, well, you know, <laughs> that's something. <laughs>
0: um, but I, I'd like to thank you for talking with me today. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you and uh, um, Jess Archer versus online?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you can find me. I'm at walking Candy Apple on Twitter. That's W A L K N Candy Apple. Um, and Jess Archer versus on Twitter, Jess Archer vs. So, then you'll have all your links there to watch the episodes uh, and everything you'll need on Twitter.
0: <laughs> and as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find my uh, movie reviews and other FilmWise podcasts at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find everything on Twitter at Bubba Wheat. And uh, I believe the next episode will be our Scott Pilgrim um, FilmWise Spotlight. And, uh, Those have been fun, and uh, hopefully you enjoy that. Um, So until next time.